The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Once more, we play our dangerous game. A game of chess against our old adversary, the American Navy. For 40 years, your fathers before you and your older brothers played this game and played it well. But today, the game is different. We have the advantage. Now, it reminds me of the heady days of Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin, when the world trembled at the sound of our rockets. Well, they will tremble again at the sound of our silence. The order is, engage the silent drive. Eyes up. Balance control. Open out the doors. Yes, open out the doors. Diving command. Engage Caterpillar and secure main engines. Doors opening, Captain. Comrades, our own fleet doesn't know our full potential. They will do everything possible to test us, but they will only test their own embarrassment. We will leave our fleet behind. We will pass through the American patrols, pass their sonar nets, and lay off their largest city and listen to their rock and roll while we conduct missile drills. Eh? And when we are finished, the only sound they will hear is our laughter. While we sail to Havana, where the sun is warm, and so is the comradeship. Cryogenic plant coming online, Captain. A great day, comrades. We sail into history. For many decades in popular entertainment, communism was the primary antagonist. James Bond was a notable foil for many a communist plot in the 1960s, but with the rise of detente during the 1970s, disaster movies and science fiction reigned at the box office. Communism and nuclear war once again became an existential threat as the Cold War became hot in regions like Afghanistan and detente ended. Ronald Reagan's presidency boosted a sense of militaristic patriotism and popular entertainment reflected the sentiment. Perhaps the work's most representative of the Reagan era was the writing of Tom Clancy, who just passed away this week at the age of 66. His first published novel, The Hunt for Red October, became a motion picture that was a box office and critical success. In 1991, the Cold War ended, but that didn't stop Tom Clancy from writing more novels about it. Even in 2002, Clancy was so stuck on communists as the bad guys that he wrote Red Rabbit, a novel that took place in the 80s about a Soviet plot to assassinate the Pope. You see, it wasn't so much that Clancy was sticking to a winning formula, it was that he, like many others, couldn't figure out how to write complex political drama without a monolithic protagonist such as communism. This attitude was reflected in real life, where, while I was serving in the Air Force in 2004, I heard one of my sergeants say that he missed the Soviets. With the Soviets, he explained, you knew where they were coming from. Even with the differences in ideology, everyone understood the rules of conflict. In a post-9-11 world, extremist Muslim terrorism replaced communism as the primary antagonist of the real world, and the unpredictability of this new enemy was unnerving to many. It probably didn't help that most people only knew about terrorists through images in popular media. Before 9-11, terrorism had always been shown as a rather simplistic enemy, comparatively easy to defeat, with little in the way of explaining motivation. Cookie-cutter villains, pretty much. After 9-11, not really much has changed. 
Even Showtime's hit series Homeland, which has earned many accolades for its smart writing and sharp acting, simplifies Islam into a religion that is buried in mystery, with any practicing Muslim becoming an immediate suspect of possible terrorism. On this episode of Arts Review and Commentary, I'm going to go over how Muslim terrorism has been portrayed in pop culture. This is ARC. God bless television. To the movies, to good movies, to every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! There's no crying in baseball! That's not even a word! Game over, man. Game over. I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you watch more television than ever before. Welcome one and all to a brand new episode of Arts Review and Commentary. I'm your host, Omar Latiri, and I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't give my two cents about the series finale of Breaking Bad. While the finale itself wasn't the strongest of its episodes, it was the best way they could have ended the series. If you haven't watched Breaking Bad, my fear is that everyone who's been raving about it has now pushed the bar of expectations so high you might be disappointed. If you're thinking that, I say by now you owe it to yourself to see this show simply because it's become part of American culture. There are certain things you have to see. Star Wars, The Wizard of Oz, I Love Lucy, and now Breaking Bad. The show has proven so popular that they're remaking it in Spanish for Univision and you'll be out of the loop in two languages. Anyway, enough about Breaking Bad. Let's talk terrorism! Durka Allah, Muhammad Jihad. Bakala, Muhammad Jihad. Bakala, Muhammad Jihad, La Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad, Muhammad Jihad! Oh, shit. Come on, Gary, act. You have the power. Bak, Dirk Dirk Allah. Dirka Dirka, Muhammad Jihad. Haka Sherpa Sherpa, Abakala. Oh, Dirka Dirka Dirka. Now, I can't talk about this subject without talking about my background. My dad is from Tunisia, and my mother is from the Philippines. But I was born and raised here, in the affluent and relatively racially diverse region of the D.C. metro area, Montgomery County, Maryland. Suburban Maryland was, and still is, my home, and as a result, my tastes in popular entertainment were pretty typical of a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s. There really weren't very many representations of Arabs growing up in American popular entertainment, and what was there wasn't really significant. Perhaps the first movie that I saw that featured Arab terrorists was Back to the Future. What is it, Arnie? Oh my God, they found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Run for it, Marty! Who, who, who do you think? The Libyans! Holy <laughs> Now, even at the age of 10, I felt a little hurt. It's not because I shared a bit of racial heritage with these bad guys, but that these bad guys were so incompetent. 
It was that they couldn't be taken seriously enough to warrant being an actual threat. Now, don't get me wrong, I know that's not what Back to the Future is all about. It's one of my favorite movies, but the parts with the Libyan terrorists are pretty embarrassing to watch today. And what's important to understand is if a throwaway villain can have an impact on a kid, even a small impact, imagine what kind of an impact a featured villain would make on kids and adults. I take my killing very seriously, Doctor. You are an idealist. I live in an ideal culture. There's no need for your kind of violence. We've proven that. Your origins on Earth are from the American continent, are they not? North America. Yes, I've read your history books. This is a war for independence, and I am no different than your own George Washington. Washington was a military general, not a terrorist. The difference between generals and terrorists, Doctor, is only the difference between winners and losers. You win, you're called a general. You lose... You are killing innocent people. Can't you see the immorality of what you're doing? Or have you killed so much you've become blind to it? How much innocent blood has been spilled for the cause of freedom in the history of your Federation, Doctor? How many good and noble societies have bombed civilians in war, have wiped out whole cities? And now that you enjoy the comfort that has come from their battles, their killing, you frown on my immorality? I'm willing to die for my freedom, Doctor. And in the finest tradition of your own great civilization, I'm willing to kill for it too. That clip from an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation takes us back to a time in the 80s and 90s when the word terrorism didn't automatically mean Arab terrorism. One of the groups designated as a terrorist organization by the United States, United Kingdom, and other powers that I noticed received a lot less vitriol compared to Arab terrorists was the IRA. The movie Patriot Games took a swipe at the IRA, but made the story more personal than political. But that movie at least featured a token Northern Irish cop that showed not all Irish were Sinn Féin. Anything like that in movies like Delta Force, Iron Eagle, Navy Seals, or my personal favorite, Executive Decision? Well, at least True Lies had a token good guy Arab. You see, the repetition of these images only serves to reinforce stereotypes, especially when there aren't any contradicting images to be seen. And when much of the public is exposed only to these images, these are the only things people will know. So when the federal building was bombed in Oklahoma City in 1995, of course many people assumed that Arab terrorism was to blame. What are you talking about? The time has come for one man to suffer in order to save hundreds of lives. One man? What about two? Huh? What about six? How about public executions, huh? Feel free to leave whenever you like, Agent Hubbard. Come on, General. You lost, man. I've lost, man. But you, 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 you can't do this. What if what they really want... What if they don't even want to shake? Have you considered that? Huh? What if what they really want is for us to herd children in the stadiums like we're doing? And put soldiers on the street and, and have Americans looking over their shoulders? Bend the law? Shred the Constitution just a little bit? Because if we torture him, General, we do that and everything that we have bled and fought and died for is over. And they've won. 
They've already won! One movie that I can tell tried very hard to be even-handed with his portrayal of Muslims was the 1998 movie The Siege with Denzel Washington and Bruce Willis. It featured Tony Shalhoub as a Lebanese-American FBI agent whose son eventually gets racially profiled and then rounded up in accordance with martial law after terrorists attack New York. The film tried to show that Arabs and Muslims could be just as American as Bruce Willis or Denzel Washington, but it just didn't work well. You see, we've seen Christian and Jewish religious displays depicted on screen so often that it's not considered unusual to see a Catholic baptism or a Baptist preaching or a Jewish wedding. But since Islam has been portrayed so rarely on screen, seeing the image of a practicing Muslim in a mosque only reinforces a sense of the other with unfamiliar audiences. The religion and the individual become so conflated as to be indistinguishable to the point that people come to believe that religion is the be-all and end-all of a person. Getting gas, fighting traffic, going out, doing chores, falling in love and breaking up, all those things would seem alien concepts to a movie Arab. It's a cliché to say everything changed after 9-11. But if you were Arab or Muslim, it was definitely true, at least from a pop culture standpoint. I remember thinking, how is Hollywood going to accurately portray Arabs and Muslims now? Will there be a lot more movies about terrorism? Instead, what I noticed was that Hollywood seemed to go out of their way to avoid making Arabs and Muslims antagonists. For example, the Tom Clancy novel The Sum of All Fears had Arab terrorists finding an old Israeli nuke which the terrorists then planned to use on American soil. But the movie adaptation changed the terrorists to neo-Nazis of all things. That seemed a little patronizing to me, but I understand why. Unfortunately, as the war on terror became a way of life, understanding never made its way to a lot of others, and one of the obstacles to understanding came from television. When we come back, how two of my favorite television programs have handled terrorism, 24 and Homeland. I'm Mark. And I'm Lowell. Together, we do the Mark and Lowell Show here on the Realm Network. And each week, Buzz Burbank joins us as we present the Mark and Lowell for Premium Show. It's an uncensored weekly chat about our lives and about pop culture, you know, stuff we like. It's funny and anything can happen. And get this, it's just 99 cents an episode, $3.50 for a month, $10.50 for three months, or the big package, $39.95 for the whole year. But, lol, yes, but did you know that when you buy a one-month subscription, you don't just get our new shows for that month, you get a month of access to every per premium show we've done on the Realm Network this year. No other podcast we know of gives you that option. The per premium show is the best entertainment we offer and it helps support all the shows on the Realm Network. So do yourself a favor and go to markandlowell.com to sign up for the poor premium shows. It's a whole new realm of news and entertainment. Following takes place between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. The first season of 24 has the unique distinction of being the first I ever binge watched. 
This was before the show had come out on DVD. What had happened was that before the first season finale, FX aired the 23 previous episodes in order. Since I didn't have a DVR, and a DVR probably wouldn't have recorded over 20 hours of TV at that time, I used two VCRs, using one to record, while using the other one to watch when the tape was full. It has since become one of my favorite shows, especially when it went into ridiculous territory. This was a show tailor-made for neoconservatives. Featured enemies were Eastern Europeans, the Chinese, African warlords, and of course, Middle Eastern terrorists. If you were of Middle Eastern descent, you were a suspect. If you even had a brief encounter with someone with a vaguely Middle Eastern name, you're a mole. Molly, 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 molly. Now, 24 made a few attempts to try and placate fears that it was being racist in its portrayal of Middle Easterners. If you watched the show, you may remember that Kiefer Sutherland even recorded a PSA disclaimer claiming that, quote, It is important to recognize that the American Muslim community stands firmly behind their fellow Americans in denouncing and resisting all forms of terrorism. So, in watching 24, please bear that in mind. That the producers of 24 even had to issue something like that was indicative of the wrongful image it was projecting. I can't tell you how many times I'd heard 24 being used as an example in support of torture as a legitimate interrogation tool. I tried to explain that 24 took place in an imaginary universe, and if common sense wasn't enough to convince you of that, how about this? In the seventh season, a rogue Secret Service agent has just kidnapped the president's husband in Washington, D.C., and Jack Bauer is assigned to hunt him down. Bauer. Okay, I've got Bossler. He's on the beltway near Bethesda, moving south, about seven miles from you. Copy that. I'm on my way. Where's he headed? Uh, according to the Secret Service log, his ship starts at 4 p.m. He's meeting a foreign dignitary's plane at Andrews. Jack, I don't have to tell you. Once he's through that gate and under that base, you're not going to be able to touch him. Okay, he's going to have to double back on the 337 if he wants to get through that main gate. I should be able to make up time by taking Connecticut. What? Anyone from the D.C. area knows that to get out of D.C. to Andrews, you don't go through Bethesda. That's in the opposite direction. Not to mention that if someone wants to make it to Andrews from D.C., it takes, oh, about 45 days with D.C. metro traffic. The point is... 24 wasn't real, but people thought it could be real from its portrayal to torture to its portrayal of Middle Easterners. One actor who portrayed a Middle Eastern terrorist on 24 was Cal Penn of Harold and Kumar fame. He almost turned down the role for ethical reasons, but he took it because, quote, it was the first time I had a chance to blow stuff up and take a family hostage. As an actor, why shouldn't I have that opportunity? Because I'm brown and I should be scared about the connection between media images and people's thought processes? It's a good question to ask. And I wonder if Mr. Penn found his answers when he eventually worked at the White House as the Associate Director of the White House Office of Public Engagement. Homeland has immediately become one of my favorite television shows. The, the writing, the acting is so brilliant. Thanks. And then I found out that President Obama has said he is a huge fan and never misses an episode. I was shocked and a little appalled because I realized that Obama has seen my boobs. Yes, yes. The so, President of yes, the United States. Yes, yes. <laughs> my 
husband likes to tease me about that. Your husband teases you because you do some nude scenes, which I try to fast forward through them. And... Of course, as does everybody else. I just I like the plot, but... <laughs> and I'm sure the president does as well. Uh... I wish I could say things have changed with regards to terrorism in movies and TV, but the spiritual successor of 24, Homeland, isn't really doing Muslims any favors. Again, this is another new favorite show of mine, but honestly, its portrayal of Islam is elementary at best. It portrays anyone exposed to the religion as someone who's vulnerable to terrorist brainwashing. It gets to the point where I sometimes feel bad when I enjoy the show's twists and turns, and yes, boobs, but I worry that the popularity of shows like these will only further ignorance. I look forward to the day when Arabs and Muslims are depicted just like any other group, and that the terrorist is seen as the exception to the whole of humanity rather than the expected outcome of a particular group of people. That's it for this episode of Arts Review and Commentary. Be sure to catch the next ARC episode while I'll go over my favorite works by author Tom Clancy. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews. Follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews. And you can email me at artsreviewandcommentary at gmail.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is ARC. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network.